Welcome to Flipping the Script, a podcast for women of color by women of color, helping you to not just navigate your way through change, but to embrace it. I am your host, Michelle Words. Today we have Veronica Swanson. Veronica is blazing a trail in the United Arab Emirates by being the first African-American and women-owned business to license and launch a coffee company in the Dubai Multi-Commodities Coffee Center Free Zone. Veronica shares with us how a force change has led her to fulfilling her divine calling. Let's get to it. I am not where you wanna be Trying to navigate life but it's hard to see, yeah I am struggling to make a change. We're coming to me now is the perfect chance. With flipping the scripts, so you'll find your way to help you embrace any trials you face. With flipping the script, conquer every day. We're helping you find your happy place. Veronica Swanson is a seasoned media relations consultant and an entrepreneur. She possesses more than 20 years of professional experience across several industries, including media, newspaper publishing, alternative energy and utilities, software technology, and engineering consultancy. Veronica is a co-founder of UAE-based Kajari Majlis, an international trader of commodities and a distributor of food and feed products from around the world with longtime friend, global humanitarian, and NBA Hall of Famer, Dikembe Mutombo, who serves as chairman. In the fall of 2020, Kajari Modulus launched Mutombo Coffee, a brand of specialty coffee sourced with high-quality, fair-trade Arabica coffee beans from Africa's coffee-growing regions, including the Democratic Republic of the Congo the native homeland of Mr. Matumbo. Prior to Kajari Majlis, Veronica was head of marketing and communications for the Middle East and Africa at Parsons Corporation, where she provided strategic communications counsel to executive leadership and built strong relationships with editors of major media outlets, preserving Parsons' longstanding reputable brand image in the region. In 2012, she founded VBS Communications Consulting to help financial and healthcare-focused entrepreneurs establish and manage their brand image. Veronica holds a Bachelor of Science degree in International Management from Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business. In 2003, she received an Executive Master's in Business Administration degree focusing on executive leadership and general management from the Olin School of Business at Washington University in St. Louis. Veronica is a devoted mother to her two children, Summer and Nehemiah, and currently resides in Abu Dhabi, UAE. Veronica, welcome to Flipping the Script. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. So, Veronica, I always start by asking my guests, where are you from? I am from East St. Louis, Illinois, in the United States. So, did you always have the desire to be an entrepreneur? 
That's a good question. I would answer that by saying no, but I will say I always had a desire to learn and ex have different experiences. And I always kept a curious attitude toward things. So maybe those are the ingredients of an entrepreneur, but I think my desire to want to learn something new, to travel and to um, stay curious about the world around me, I think it fueled it for sure. So then what made you take the entrepreneurial plunge? I was forced to take the entrepreneurial plunge. I will tell you there's something comforting about working for other people. Even though I spent my time helping other companies build their brand, I always thought what would it be like to build my own. But when you think about the risk, when you think about the equity, the sweat equity you have to put in, the money involved, all the different intricate pieces of running a successful business, it's a daunting thought. So it's easy to just get caught up and get comfortable working for someone else and them paying you a fraction of what you're actually worth. And I succumbed to that same mindset too. What happened was COVID happened. I was made redundant by my company. At that point, I think the stars aligned and I fell into entrepreneurship full time. And I can tell you it's the best decision that happened upon me at this stage in my career. I'm going to back up just a little bit because you are currently residing where? In Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. How long have you been outside of the United States? I moved to Abu Dhabi in November of 2017. What brought me here is that my ex-husband received a wonderful opportunity to work here for the Abu Dhabi government because we co-parent two teenagers. It was a great opportunity to bring them over so they can have an international experience. So when that happened, we researched schools, and we did what we had to do as far as getting them settled here in the country. I moved over and I started looking for work, and the rest is history, really. So then, fast forwarding it again back to what you mentioned, 2020 COVID, mm -hmm. you were then made redundant from your job, which in the United States people means laid off. Yes, that's true. <laughs> the British term. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I know that term very well myself. Mm -hmm. So the purpose of this podcast is to talk about people having to embrace change. Yes. Your personality seems like one that you will create change anyway, but in this situation, you were forced into the change. But I hear you saying that it was still, you know, probably the best thing that ever happened to you. Well, you know, it's one thing to be forced into change when you feel like you're young enough and you've got time on your hands. And if you fail, you still have time to rebound. But when you're a woman of my age and you've got more years behind you than ahead, you feel as though this is not the time for that kind of change, right? And ageism is real in this part of the world. It's real everywhere. You know, it's one thing yes. to be a woman. It's one thing to be a black woman. Then it's one thing to be a seasoned black woman, right? Regardless of the years of experience thing is change is always good. It's a lot of what happens to us. And whether we are successful and rebound from what happens to us is the attitude that we have about the, about the incident or about the change that's happened upon us. If you keep a positive attitude and you take inventory of what you have and you whip it up in a recipe, 
then chances are you're going to be successful even with that change because you take what you have experienced, you take everything you know, every everyone you know, and you pull it together, right? I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's that making lemon out of lemonade or making lemonade out of lemons, guess right? What? Exactly. Lemons and you've got some water and you've got some sugar and a little ginger, you've got a recipe for success. Yes. Or, you know, in this region, some mint, That's right? <laughs> yes. I want to talk, of course, about the type of business that you launched. Mm-hmm. But before that, you mentioned some of the challenges. So let's kind of talk generally about some of the challenges that you faced then, you said, as a woman, as a mature woman. And also, since you're outside of your home country, you're a foreigner as well. What type of challenges do those bring for you? Well, one thing I can say is maybe all of this, it could possibly be my own self-perception. And then I don't have limiting beliefs, so to speak. I think I'm limited only by my perception and only by my beliefs. So I don't go into a situation thinking, oh my gosh, they're not going to accept me or, you know, I wear my hair curly naturally. I wear my natural hair over here and Mm -hmm. in a sea of Kim Kardashian straight black hair, right? So I stand out anyway, and I'm almost six feet tall, and I'm black. So I embrace all that I am because I know when I sit at a table, I can speak confidently about my experience and expertise and what I bring and the value I can bring. So I don't shrink for anyone, but there's still challenges, right? Because the world is still competitive. But what I find is even with the challenges of COVID, even with the challenges of trying to put together a network, supply network, you're always going to hit an obstacle. The question is, do you have a support group or do you have the wherewithal, the resources to figure out a way around it? Typically, I would say most times, there is always a way around something. You just have to invest the the time and the effort and the brain power to solving the problems. Now, what my parents did do for me is growing up in East St. Louis, which is a really, really rough city, you're always in problem solving mode, right? You either, Mm. we either evolve or we die. If you grow up in that, it creates a mindset for you anyway. You're constantly solving the problem so that you can move to the next stage. So I grew up with that mentality. So it's no different with starting Kajari Majlis. You hit a wall. Mm-hmm. You think through it. And if you don't know, you get someone on the phone and you keep seeking. And I guarantee you, majority of the time, the answers come as you seek. I love that evolve or die. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Those skills then definitely are ones that carry you through your lifetime. Then those survival skills and being able to think quickly on your feet and problem solve. And, so, and definitely the, a great uh, combination for an entrepreneur. I would say another thing, too, is always be in a, a state of learning. I remember when COVID happened, Coursera and Udemy, a number of these online course courses, mm-hmm. apps, they were yes. offering free everything. Like whatever you wanted to learn about, majority of them were offering their courses for free for months. And I remember spending my mm-hmm. days taking course after course. Even I was looking at uh, coding. I was just curious. Now I realized that it was not for me. But the benefit (laughs) of having something free at your fingertips so you explore, you never know. It opens up potentially a whole new career 
for people that they not that didn't even know that they were even interested in or or cared about, right? So right. I would that's the first thing that I teach my children is always have a learning mentality, always stay curious, always explore because that's how you truly find what your path should be and what you're really passionate about. And like you said, or to eliminate something that you don't want to make as an option. So you know enough to know that that's not the route you want to go. Mm -hmm. And at least you learn enough to be able to, to have some familiarity about it so Mm -hmm. that, you know, if you mentioned coding to me, I know nothing, at least by you taking that course, then you have a baseline knowledge of it, which never hurts. That's right. When did you discover your love of coffee? Well, I've always, you know, my parents were big coffee drinkers. I just didn't know that there was a difference between crappy coffee and really good coffee. (laughs) You know, growing up in the inner city, we drank Folgers and instant coffee. And that's some of the crappiest coffee you can drink, believe it or not. It's cheap. But if that's all you're used to and you don't know what really good coffee tastes like, then your palate just adjusts to whatever it is that you're drinking. I would say I discovered good coffee just from starting this business. The wonderful thing about being in Dubai is that they have a free zone. And in that free zone, they have a coffee center. And the purpose of the coffee center is for importers and exporters who want to import, export coffee. And Dubai is basically a hub for that. So at the coffee center, you have companies that are buying coffee from different parts of the world importing it into Dubai. There may be roasting and packaging. All the logistics and services are there. And then they ship that coffee out to another part of the world. So the good thing is also you get to roast coffee. You get to cup it and cup it. What I mean by cupping is taste the coffee, the quality of the coffee. There are coffee experts there to tell you what you should be looking for, how to evaluate it, the flavor profile. So you really get a nice tutorial on coffee, right? Different types of coffee beans, what it means for it to be washed versus natural, honey washed, all these different terms. So we really, I knew nothing about coffee and I'm still learning, Yeah, but there's so much wonderful richness and detail in the coffee bean that most people don't think about. All all we think about is just having a cup of coffee and going about our day, but such a story behind the coffee bean. And it's certainly worth exploring and worth sharing and telling the world about, really, truly. The same with cocoa, right? And cocoa, yes. So I actually do want you to give us a brief education about coffee. But first, I want to toot your horn, because your company is the first African-American-owned company in that coffee zone, Mm -hmm. then in UAE, which is unique to the Middle East as well. So kudos to you for having the initiative to launch that. So tell us what makes your coffee special, I guess, would would give us that education also about differentiation in coffees. Thank you for that. Thank you for the compliment, first of all. I think we're so busy working, we forget to pause and take a two-second celebration for the hard work that we're doing. But I will tell you what makes our coffee special is the story and the women and the farmers behind it. I went to Georgetown with Mr. Matumbo. We have known each other 35 plus years. And he comes through this region quite a bit because I'm not sure if you know, but 
He, being a native of the Congo, he has opened a school there in name of his, in honor of his mother, his late mother. It has served over 700,000 patients mm, for free, great. mainly women and children who can't afford health care in the Congo. And he is, he has broken ground on a STEM school named in honor of his late father, who was a school teacher. And that school is set to open in the fall of 2021, in September, I think. And it's going to educate up to 900 children in the Congo from kindergarten through 12th grade for free with a, with a focus on science and math. And they're going to have all the latest technology, laptops, iPads, all everything that they need to truly learn. Wonderful. And again, for free. Mm-hmm. 900 students to start. And so that's just amazing. So when he came through here, because he was um, a board member of the Special Olympics, and the Special Olympics was held in Dubai in 2019, I believe. So anyway, we had dinner, we talked. My brother, who is a serial entrepreneur and a finance guy, he came along with us because he also knows Dikembe. And we got to talking, and he started giving us a history lesson on the civil unrest that had occurred in the Congo and all the different issues that the country had been having. And he, and he talked to us about commodities, right? And he's a businessman, but he's also a philanthropist and a humanitarian. But we got on the subject of coffee because I think we were having <laughs> coffee at the hotel we were at. So mm-hmm. he started talking about coffee and cocoa. And he was saying how much he loves coffee. And then he gave us a history about it. And he said, do you know that 90% of the coffee that grows in the Congo dies on the vine? And I said, well, why is that? He says, because there's no demand for it. We have no buyers for it. And I'm like, really? He goes, and I'm telling you, Congo has some of the best coffee you'll ever taste in your life. And I'm mm-hmm. like, but why doesn't the world know right. it? Over the course of several months, we talked a little bit more. And then finally we decided during COVID, we, he calls me out the blue and it's like, I want to start a business. So we took the opportunity to kind of go through what we wanted to focus on. It's not just about coffee. You have cocoa, tea, spices, so many rich minerals and commodities coming out of the Mm -hmm. Congo and out of Africa in general that the U.S. and other parts of the region Mm -hmm. have never experienced. So given that we now have technology in place and tools in place to export out of Africa and you've got basically you've got the support of certain governments and regions in Africa. There's been a focus, if you notice, there's been a focus on Africa. Yes. Cobalt Tesla has built a facility Mm. over there. The Chinese are there. There's there's an interest in what's in the ground. So because he's beloved, he's a Hall of Famer and he's well known Mm. in the African community and in the US, coffee was just a low hanging fruit. Let's just enter the market with coffee. Let's put together the supply chain, the value chain. And from that, once we get that down pat, that's other commodities will flow through that, that framework. So that's basically what we're doing. We will be trading other commodities. Coffee was yes. low hanging. It was the holiday. We put together a brand, logo, storytelling, content, website. We did it within four months during COVID wow. from our living room. And I know also that it's actually a passion project of yours now. So what makes that? I know when I talked to you before, you said it, you know, it keeps you up at night. So what is that? What keeps me up at night is when you learn the stories and you start seeing the pictures and the videos and you do your research and you find out that 
70% of those who are picking cherries uh, for coffee, uh, coffee cherries are women. They do 70% of the labor, but less than 20% of them are in some sort of management or leadership role. A lot of them are mothers. So they pick cherries all day in the hot sun and then they go home and they, and they do their mother responsibilities. So they're doing double duty. And some of these cultures, they can't own assets. If they do, their husband has to own it. He has to be involved or father has to be involved or brother has to be involved. They don't have bank accounts. So they're doing all of the labor Whereas the guys are on the management side, they're doing the transportation and some of the perceivably easy work while they're doing the harvesting and the drying and the washing and, and all of the, the tough labor mm-hmm. work. On top of it, some countries and some parts of the coffee growing regions, a lot of them don't have access to clean water, health care. Women are still dying in childbirth. The issue is that they're picking coffee, they're selling their coffee to the market, but the market is not truly giving them a fair wage, a fair trade wage for all their work and effort. And we're talking about specialty coffee beans. We're talking about the specialty coffee you drink at the cafes, not what you get on the shelf at Mm. Schnucks or not a Folgers, that's Robusta beans. Those are those are beans with defects in them. So they go into instant coffee. You put a lot of sugar and in, in whatever in a cream and you make it taste good. But true, truly good coffee, you don't need any cream and sugar. You can taste the flavor profile in the coffee when you have a really, really good bean, right? And those are Arabica beans. Mm-hmm. So those are the top of the line beans. And depending on um, the altitude of where the bean was grown, the higher the altitude, the better the bean, the longer time it has to ripen, right? So these women are climbing a couple thousand feet above sea level to go up in the mountains to pick beans all day and then have to carry it down on their backs and on their heads. Wow. And then it goes to waste often. Not only go to waste, or they sell it for well, far they, less they than the value they that they should, Again, right? The Congolese beans are not as well known as Ethiopian coffee, Burundi coffee, Kenyan coffee, right. Tanzanian coffee. Right. But the, the DRC does have good coffee. They do produce mm-hmm. good coffee beans. But because of the civil unrest, you can't, that's a problem. No one wants to deal with conflict. No, no one wants to invest in a country where you don't know if you're going to get your product out because they're warring, because there's beefing going on between tribes. So people walk away and say that's a conflict zone. So then the the cherries just die on the vine. That has since changed. There hasn't been conflict in a while. People are now looking at Congo again, hoping that they can keep everybody from, from fighting. Let's all get along so that we can help the people first of all, and we can continue to trade because without trade, they don't have a country. They're just gonna stay in strife. They have no income. People die when they don't have, they can't feed themselves, right? right? There's no income. So after he told us that story, after he told us some of the remarkable women who are picking beans and they've never tasted coffee, they have never even tasted what they pick every day. They don't even know what it tastes like because they didn't have baristas. Mm-hmm. They didn't have coffee labs where you 
brew the coffee and you, you know, they, they get the coffee ready to export it, but there was no infrastructure in place where they could taste their own coffee. So that is changing. The good news is, the good news is that there are non-government agencies there who are doing their best to change the narrative, to bring them into the 21st century, to train them up in different professions, coffee-related professions, so that they can make a difference. And we are a part of that value chain. And we'll have some announcements soon about some partnerships we're making. But our focus really was on the women because Mr. Dikembe has a special heart for women. And, And another thing that I have to mention, the reason why the focus is on coffee, female coffee farmers, is because they reinvest the money. The ones that do, who are able to run their farms, they don't spend their money on foolishness. A lot of the men will take the money and the proceeds from the coffee and Mm -hmm. go blow it off. The women will pool their resources and open a clinic or buy another washing station or invest in the community. So that's why the interest is on women because they have a bigger vision most times and want to be community focused. And that's who we want to touch. And that's, those are the women we want to impact their communities. You know, I think that's true globally. <laughs> well, no, there are men Women who are truly, and, and that's the thing. You can't really, you can't really make any absolute statements about a people or a culture because, believe it or not, there are people from every persuasion over there really trying to make a difference. They're all, we're all on the mm-hmm. same mission, right. and they are from different parts of the world, including Caucasian men and women and that are doing some fantastic things. The thing is, they don't toot their own horns. They're just on the ground, and they're doing the work quietly, and they don't need a bunch of right. credit, right? They're just putting their hands to the plow, and they're putting their minds together, and they're just seeking partners with the same spirit and the same mission, and that's who we're partnering with. Very good. So then I know a lot of your challenge then now is just educating the world about the quality of the coffee that comes from there. What would be your strategy? Well, again, it's just partnering with, first of all, we do a lot of due diligence because the last thing we want to do is partner with anyone who says they're walking the walk, but they're not, right? (laughs) There's transparency Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. value chain, and we seek full transparency. We're looking for organizations, suppliers, that buyers who are buying coffee because we don't have a license to buy coffee. So we're buying from organizations that sell coffee to organizations like ourselves, to roasters, right? So they're on the ground and Mm -hmm. they are negotiating the terms on behalf of of the coffee farmers. Most of them don't speak English. They speak French, some form of French. So they have intermediaries, if you will, who are buying their coffee and saying, this is what your coffee is worth. Now, you know how that goes. When you're illiterate to the commodities market, you can only go on what someone's telling you because we're talking about a part of the world where they don't have the technology to say, hold on, let me get on the exchange and see what my coffee's selling for. They don't have that. So when, you know, if, if they're saying, Oh, your Arabica bean, it's only worth 60 cents a kg today. It really could be worth $1.40, $1.60, right? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. 
They have no way to verify it. And they have no it. way that to verify like it. sounds like good money yes. to them. They're going to take it, but they're selling their beans too low. So believe it or not, there's IBM. Mm-hmm. There's an organization that IBM has looked up with, Farmer Connect, if you will. And they're bringing transparency to the coffee industry. They're doing it with other commodities and other food products, but they're finally bringing it to coffee. This way, these you know farmers will have an iPhone or a smartphone or some way to connect, and they will be able to check for themselves what they should be selling their coffee for. We're giving them the technology and putting it in their hands so they have some better say over their livelihoods, right? So... You have organizations Wonderful. who are not taking advantage of these farmers. They're telling them what the true worth value of their coffee is. They're putting a premium on the price, and they're truly paying them what the coffee is worth. These are the farmers that are able to thrive mm. and invest in their communities and grow even larger as a cooperative. So what's happening is a lot of these small farmers who have a small hectare of, of land, they may have 200 trees. They're mm. all collectively banding together with one voice. Naturally, you know how what happens when people get together and have a single voice instead of 300 separate voices. That's what they're doing, and they're supporting one another. Right. They pay a fee. They all put it in a pot. That allows them to reinvest in their infrastructure. So this is not a, we are not a non-for-profit. We are not in the business of let's just give them something. These are, we're talking about farmers who produce a superior product, who are helping themselves, who truly are export ready because they've done the work themselves and they are keeping good records. They are certified and they're recognized by the the coffee industry globally. And they're ready now to expand into other markets. Those are the farms that we're seeking to reinvest in. So when you purchase Matumbo coffee, you're helping to reinvest in these coffee farms. And what we're doing at the moment is we're systematically going through all the coffee farms where we buy our coffee and we're looking for projects to invest in. So we'll be talking more about that mid-year to late year because, again, we're less than a year old and we're moving pretty quickly. But we have to make sure we do our homework so that we're investing in the right assets. And, and I want to hear more yes. about those projects yes. as they come along in the future. So my question was going to be to you then what we can do to help, but what we can do is support by purchasing That's true. the and product. You know, people say, well, your, your coffee is expensive. Well, guess what? When you're so used to buying cheap coffee, when you're buying cheap coffee, the coffee, the, the producers of that coffee, the coffee farms didn't get paid anything. They basically worked for free. So. Wow. Which we don't, just don't realize know because no one has no one saying anything, right? If you want to enjoy a four dollar frappuccino or whatever, our point is making sure that the value from that frappuccino got to where it needed to get, all the way back to the form, farmer who wants to work for decades for for twenty thirty years in the hot sun and never get paid what you deserve. But that's what we've been doing, right? unbeknownst to us because again yeah when there's no transparency you just go with whatever the brand is saying yeah we support fair trade farming and we give back well some of that may be true and some of that may not be so accurate right yes well i look forward i tell you i'm a coffee Mm -hmm. novice 
<laughs> I've always appreciated the aroma of coffee, but I always felt that I was caffeine sensitive. So I am just now really getting into coffee and I look forward to trying well, this coffee. I sure. can tell you, you probably so been now, drinking the wrong coffee. Robusta coffee has the highest caffeine and it's, it's certainly the cheapest coffee that will more than likely give you the jitters. If you drink Arabica coffee and you drink a coffee that is, I would say, has a score of 80 plus, there's a spectrum of coffee as far as mm -hmm. the, let me say, what can I we used to describe it? You, you evaluate coffee and the higher the score, the better the coffee. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a lot of the coffee okay. you're drinking, whether it's McDonald's coffee or just some instant coffee that you just mix with some water, that's the worst, but it serves a purpose that sometimes it's all people want, right? They don't want to really get into specialty coffee and pay the price for specialty coffee. Just know that there's a difference between good vodka and bad boost. vodka, cheap vodka. I didn't know that because right. I'm not really right. a drinker. And, you know, cheap tequila and really right. good tequila. I finally had really good a shot of tequila for the first time. And I'm like, this tastes nothing like the mm -hmm. crappy tequila I had in my 20s. No wonder I didn't like tequila in my 20s. I had right. crappy tequila. Yeah. Yeah. It's like anything Chocolate else. Like you said, there's levels no, of listen, quality. My kids have and been it, all over the world. Yes. And we took them to the Lent factory in Germany. And where they had fresh chocolate from the Lent factory. Do you know now they will not touch M&Ms and Mars and Hershey's? They have no interest because they know what real chocolate is supposed to taste like now. Yeah, yeah. Now that is the problem. Once you get spoiled, and you I can't go back. And I say that about coffee too. Like I will not touch instant coffee anymore. Yes. I know the Well, yeah, difference. because you yes. know the difference now. Well, so I look forward to trying this, but now I'm also afraid that you're going to, you're going to raise my expectations and then well, I won't be able to settle the for the Even other specialty anymore. coffee. There's a range of pricing. I, you can go on the internet and put in the most expensive coffee. There's coffee out there selling for 50, 60, $70 for a 10, 12 ounce bag. And you're like, what makes that unique? What makes it unique is the bean, the value of the bean and how rare it is and how limited in quantity it is. There's beans growing in different parts of the coffee growing regions that are very rare, like anything else, like a rare cock, right? Or rare art. Mm -hmm. So this is a whole nother world. Once you start delving into coffee and the, the, the finance of it and the, the, the world of coffee, it will open your eyes. Like you didn't even know all this existed. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. So now what advice would you give then to someone that might be looking into entering into this business or into this arena? Well, I don't know. I think it's all um, the same, whatever, regardless of what the business is, it's your skill set. You need to make sure your skill set is transferable to any industry, right? So... First of all, as right. I, you know, a couple of women who are thinking about taking the leap into entrepreneurship. First of all, I've never worked harder in my life. When you work for yourself, typically you don't take a salary. Any money that is generated from the business goes right back into the business. So make sure you have some money to fall back on, have a plan. Make sure whatever you're pursuing mm -hmm. that you're passionate about, mm -hmm. just don't say, well, I hear that, you know, couture dog attire 
is the latest trend. Let me go try that. If you don't have a passion for it, it's not going to work. Because I can tell you, I eat, live, breathe, sleep, wake up, go to bed, thinking about this business because I'm emotionally invested as well. It really does. When I see pictures, when farmers send me pictures from their farms and I see them in the mud picking beans with no shoes on, that keeps me up. When I pass a Starbucks or some of these cafes and I know how much coffee costs and you're looking at these people who are picking the beans and you know how much they're getting, it should bother everybody. It really should. It's sad because it's our people. There are brown people. Colombia, Bolivia, Brazil, they're brown people. It should bother us because Mm -hmm. we go about our day enjoying Mm -hmm. latte after latte, not really thinking about the price of that coffee that you're drinking. It's only our people being affected. So even let's talk about this. Even you think about the value chain when the coffee hits the U.S. How many cafe owners are there that are African-American? Not many. How many African baristas, African-American baristas are there? How many are procuring coffee? We produce it. It belongs to us. It comes from our motherland. But when it gets higher and higher, further along the value chain, it gets less and less mm-hmm. colorful. High and we're high consumers of it. of it. High consumers of it. But how many people can walk down to our neighborhood cafe and it's owned by the brother and the sister in our neighborhood? Think about that. Right. Very true. So very true. Think about what a person should think about or be doing if they want to get into this business. First of all, you have to have a thick skin to just be an entrepreneur anyway. You have to be willing to fail and get back Mm -hmm. up and continue at it. And that goes back to what I was mentioning earlier about you have to be passionate about something because it's that passion and love for it that's going to make you work even if you haven't slept in 28 hours. And And even even if you're not seeing the profits from it yet. That's right. It keeps you going. There's so many sacrifices you have to make. Right. Prayerfully. But rewards in the end. (laughs) 50% of of businesses fail. Yes, yes. There's a lesson (laughs) learned in the failure. If you truly are an entrepreneur, you will pick yourself up and you'll move on to the next thing. You see what I'm saying? It's not for the faint of heart. I don't knock anyone who chooses to work every day for someone else because they're bringing value as well. You have to know what works for you. I just say, if you dare to venture into it, you also Mm -hmm. have to put yourself around people who understand your journey and that can encourage you and speak life to what it is you're trying to, to birth because everyone doesn't understand this life. Right. Exactly. And that's fine. We all play a part and play a role and we have our own respective journeys. It's just that you need a tribe of people who understand being on a Zoom call at 4 a.m. as opposed to saying, you need right. to go to sleep. It don't take all that. I, you don't know what it takes for a person to get their business going. So I don't say, I have entrepreneur girlfriends and we encourage one another. Mm-hmm. We talk about the doing sure. the bookkeeping and the social media and the marketing and the inventory and the branding and the PR when you start out until you have enough money, you're doing all those things. You don't have money to pay people for that. So you're learning it all, 
right? Exactly. So exactly. You I have to surround yourself around people who get your vision and where you're trying to go and who are highly supportive. And when you get tired and burnt out, they're speaking life to you and they're saying, hey, what can I do to help? Right. A true support. A, a and that's, true support trust me, system. it's small. You have people, you've been at that for how oh, many yes. years and you ain't still further along? You don't need it. When God gives you a purpose and gives you something, you know, you're supposed to birth. It doesn't matter how long it takes. If you know, that's what he's given you and you have to steer the course. You can't let other people's voices drown that out. You're absolutely right. You've shared with us what you have planned for the future of the brand. You've mentioned expansion into other commodities and things like that. So what are future plans for Veronica Swanson? You know, um, my 13, my 13 year old son looked at me a couple years ago, goes, mom, you're 50. I said, okay. He said, no, you're 50. I said, so what's with the emphasis? He's like, just get it started. When are you? He was talking about my lack of a love life oh. and um, I, I work so much. And I said, well, son, you know, when God sends me someone, I I guess I'll be in a relationship. He goes, well, you got to leave the house. Like, you got to do something. And I was like, no, not really. I don't have to do much. I mean, (laughs) I put in the atmosphere and I'm going about my business. But he didn't understand. I've spent my time raising my children. Right. Right. Yeah. And focusing on them. But there does come a point where you really have to put a focus. So that's a very good question. You have to put a focus on what's for me, what's best for me. But timing is everything. Right. Yeah. And your priorities make a difference. My priority has been birthing this project, birthing this business, because it has such an impact on so many people's lives that to me is a higher purpose than my love life or my social life. I did all of that. Been there, done that. That's great. That doesn't mean self-care is not important. It very much is. And I do practice self-care. But it pertains to when you have a higher purpose and you have a higher goal you're trying to reach, mm-hmm. that is a priority. So things will happen when they're supposed to happen. But so what's next for Veronica? Growing this business, listening to God to say what's next. I would like there to be a man in the mix there, someone who also supports my efforts and mm-hmm. wants to help me grow the business. And if that happens, I'm more than welcome to receive all of that. But if not, I still have to continue along the path that's set for me, whether it's with someone or without. So I'm good with that because I derive so much joy in what I'm doing. I'm happy. I'm content. Mm-hmm. And I get to see the fruits of my labor every right. single day. Well, you know, and doing what, what you do and where your passion is, you are meeting people that have that same goal and drive as well. So I would think mm-hmm. that, you know, in your work, you're expanding your social circle and the people that you have commonalities with. That's true. So that's true, and not unlikely that it won't happen in that space. Well, we never, we never can. One thing that life has told told me or taught me is we don't know what tomorrow brings, and COVID has taught us all that lesson. Yes. Right. Yes. So you have to stay ready for whatever comes and be adaptable and nimble. The people who survive are the ones who can adapt to change quickly. Complain a little bit, but get up, brush themselves off and keep it moving because sitting and waddling and, oh my God, I remember when and why can't it go back? It ain't going back to that. Right. We're in a new era. We're in a whole new world. So you either figure it out, ask around, be prayer, prayerful about it. Listen to that still voice in your 
heart that's already told you you're on the wrong path, you need to be going left instead of right. A lot of people ignore that, but that's their true path. They've just been ignoring it. Right. Very true. We want our listeners to support your product. So where can they find Matumbo Coffee? Matumbo Coffee at the moment ships only in the U.S. online at matumbocoffee.com. But I'm happy to announce that we will be opening up Canada and we will be uh, in the next uh, week or so. And we will be opening up London, Brussels, and France, I believe, most likely in the next 30 days. We are in the middle of putting together our supplier network in the Middle East as well. So prayerfully, we will have coffee in Saudi and Oman in different parts Yay. of the Middle East region by the end of the summer. So again, we are less than a year old. We have we are working at rapid speed because we're getting we're getting um, requests for coffee in New Zealand, Australia, Japan, China. Wow! Certainly Africa, certainly Africa, and all parts of the world. But again, we are methodically thinking about how we expand and strategically doing so, because guess what? This is not a money grab. Mr. Dikembe does not need to sell coffee to make mm-hmm. a bunch of money and then go away. That's not what this is about. It truly is a love for what we are doing and making sure it has the greatest impact and that we're doing it the right way and partnering with the right people. So that's why we just didn't I mean, you know, we could be in Walmart, we could be in Kroger's, we could be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Just slap a label and put a person's name on it mm-hmm. and just do a whole bunch of marketing and advertising. That's not what this is about. Right. Yeah. Right. I absolutely wish you the best. Thank you. So I will be supporting the product as soon as I can. I actually will be spending some time in the U.S. soon, and I am going to place my order and so well, <laughs> then I'll be make sure to... it's the coffee is freshly roasted. We chose our we, we chose special roasters, the ch- roasters that we chose for a reason. They back our cause. They are cause based as well. But the good thing is when you place your order, it ships within 48 hours because the, the coffee is roasted to order. So you're not getting mm. coffee that's been sitting on a shelf for six months. I'm excited. <laughs> I can't wait to try it. I'm excited for you. Follow us on our social media and check in on our website from time to time because we're making some really good announcements and we're going to have some interviews coming up on ESPN and Sports Illustrated. We just did an interview with Bloomberg. So we're getting the word out. That's a good feeling. And there's a mailing list. So if they're not in your area in the country where you live, then get on their mailing list because then they'll be able to let you know. Thank you for being a guest, Veronica, and educating us on this. This is very Thank important. You You're Thank welcome. you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Flipping the Script. If you like what you have heard, please make sure to subscribe to get notified of future episodes. Also, I would appreciate it if you would write a review and share with your friends. And I want to hear from you. Feel free to drop me a line and let me know what you thought about this week's episode or to suggest any future topics that you would like for me to explore. Or you can just stop by and say hello. You can reach me at flippingthescript.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at flippingthescript. 
Want to continue the discussion? I also have a private group for ladies only on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. Bye for now. With flipping the scripts, so you'll find your way to help you embrace any trials you face.